Next, on the OHIO podcast, we discuss the new field turf design, we talk about college and Buckeye traditions, plus we have a special interview with a former member of Tabiddle who dotted the I. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! And welcome to the OHIO Podcast. I am your host for today, Chris Wilds. Along with me is Aaron. Aaron, how are you doing today? I am great. It is the weather starting to break down here, so it's about to be hotter the, hotter the weather is starting here. to break down. yeah it's starting to break up here too aaron i hear we're gonna hit the 40s next week oh man see that's where we were at like we had that big freeze and then it like was 40s and 50s and now we're starting to get back up into the 70s and 80s coming yeah soon. you're you're not gonna get a lot of sympathy here on that one aaron that's we are supposed to see some 40s and 50s back up here though which is great because as I mentioned before this, a bit of multitasking today. Of course, I'm at the Ohio State store. We're expecting a big day because, you know, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl today. So that's kind of exciting for Ohio sports fans, south of I-70 at least. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm in the middle of cookie season out here. We got Girl Scout cookies going on, so a lot going on. But, you know, that being said, I think we can go ahead and just get started, jump right in. Before we get going, just want to say, if you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. At Spire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool, track, mat, basketball court, or gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home and take advantage of the or take advantage of the transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. So, Eric, uh, you know, obvious by his uh, absence today is our buddy Buckeye Boggs. He's enjoying the sunny beaches down in Florida today, but uh, we're going to see what we can do to hold down the fort while he's gone. So, some big news came out this week, Aaron. The new turf design is in. What are your thoughts on it? 
I, I like it. You know, we talked a little before the show and it's it's classic. I you know, I, I personally I like what they did with the border on it. It's a nice little touch there. Uh, looks a lot like the helmet, you know, with the stripe on the middle of it. So it, it's it's like a subtle little change. I I don't know. I think that the biggest takeaway for me, though, and it's not necessarily something you see as a fan or experience as a fan is that it's fresh turf. So there's not going to be as much slipping and sliding. So you might see some more uh, cut moves there by Travion or some of the receivers. But as far as like the other designs that I saw, the one with the gray end zone that says like Ohio State on one end, Buckeyes on the other and the lettering is red. It, it has the outline of the state of Ohio, uh, like shadowing behind the block O at center field. I really liked that one personally, but I'm not going to complain. This one, it's a, a field is a field at the end of the day. So as long as they're winning, I, it's, it's 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 all it is what it is. What do you think of it? Yeah, for me, I thought as long as they kick off with you, as long as they can keep their footing, and uh, you know the the field is conducive to play. I'm all for it. Now, I do like the block O at midfield. It seems like they've emphasized it a little bit more, uh, you know, adding a little bit of an outer stroke gray to it as well. Uh, and then, of course, the the helmet design at the end of the end zones, That just that subtle little striping there. I, I thought that was nice, but nothing that I, – I don't think that it's going to be – like you said, I don't think the field's going to change the performance other than keeping footing, and that's what matters. So I like it. Well, not not excited about it, but I like it. Well, the other takeaway too is the end zones won't be pink, so that's that's a plus. You don't like right? the pink end zones, Aaron. You you don't you aren't gonna miss those. Well, look, I know that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so maybe we can change it up for that. But I don't know. There's de- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all year long. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see your point there. So yeah. Overall, I think good field. So let's uh, let's move on from that, and let's talk a little bit about something you and I and Eric had talked about a little bit before we ended the show last week, and that was an idea of discussing some of the better traditions in college football. So, Aaron, as far as college football traditions go, outside of Ohio State. What do you think is your favorite? Well, do you do you want to do top five and then work our way to number one? We could do that. Let's start with number five. Okay, so number five for me is, and this this is going to sound strange, but jump around Wisconsin. I think that brings just a ton of energy, you know? That's not going to sound strange at all because that was actually my number four. Okay, all right. So, yeah, yeah. I, it's – it has so much energy. You know what I mean? Like it's you might not like Wisconsin and the, and the trouble that they give us typically, but that that tradition's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, for me, number five, and I don't even know if it made your list, but I think it's kind of a cool thing. And that is the University of West Virginia where they send country roads. Love it. You, you know, I, I thought about that one, but I at the end of the day, I – I, there was a, just a couple other ones that I had to go with. Just, I don't know, just something with me. I never really cared for West Virginia. I mean, I hope they do well just because I have a lot of my, my dad's side of the family. A lot of them are from West Virginia. But as far as football goes, I don't really care <laughs> for, for them. But 
I don't know. That that is a cool one. Don't get me wrong, but for yeah, me, I, I'm throwing out a little love to to my West Virginia family there a little bit. Uh, had some West Virginia fans down there, so and and again, like I said, I do think it's a cool tradition. It's a song that actually not only you know obviously means a lot to the university, but something that was kind of from my family instilled in me a little bit. So yeah, I went with that at number five. For me, number four, as I mentioned, was the uh, jump around. So uh, what did you have at number five, Aaron? Uh, My number four was Boomer uh, Sooner from Oklahoma. I don't know why. I just thought that that was cool and a fun little memory when it tipped over. Like the chick on (laughs) chick on the side of it went flying through the air. (laughs) I don't know. I just think it was pretty cool. You know what I mean? It was, but honestly it was between that and then um, the university of Colorado when they have the Buffalo run on the field, those two I was struggling with. It's kind of a tie for me for number four, but I ultimately went with Oklahoma's boomer sooner. Yeah. I actually went with the Buffalo at number four. So, uh, yeah, I think that's an exciting thing. Uh, just just to watch uh, Ralphie run out there, you know, really, really <laughs> a big thing. So Dude, Ralphie's that, run for me, number four. That kills me. Uh, they named it Ralphie. But that is such a unique tradition. Like there is legitimately no other school that has a gigantic freaking Buffalo run on the field. You know what I mean? Like I always wonder because like those things are not light. They're they're huge. I don't know if you've ever seen oh, one yeah. up close, but my goodness, like I would think like that thing running across the field like that would probably leave some prints on the field. I wonder if they ever thought about that. Like if it rains and softens up the turf, do they? Well, do actually, does Colorado even have natural grass, or are they like us? I don't even know. But either way, before before if they do have the fake turf. I wonder if that was ever an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. weird. I don't know. What do you have at number three? Number three, I went with Chief Osceola. That's a good uh, one. Down at Florida State. Yeah. I, th- I think that's cool. Uh, you know, a lot of the schools trying to be politically correct have gone away from that. I think him riding out there on the horse, you know, tossing the uh the the spear i think that that is a cool tradition well honestly even if you take away the politics of it it's always been a pretty cool tradition because i mean it's not like they're one of these teams that just were the seminoles but they don't pay any sort of actual tribute you know what i mean right right exactly if i'm not mistaken the guy on the horse is actually from from that tribe so i I believe he has been traditionally yeah, and they're keeping that alive. They're keeping that – they're paying tribute in a respectful way, I feel like. You know what I mean? If, if I feel like if that tribe thought it was disrespectful, they wouldn't have somebody go and do that. But I, yeah. I, I, I like that the university actually keeps up with that, and they do that tradition. That is a good one. That is a good one. My number three was Enter Sandman from Virginia <laughs> Tech. Dude, have you ever really seen that? Like with the I, I have. The in fact, it's actually ranked higher for me. Yeah, it's it's legit. Like it like when you hear my number one, you'll understand. But like if I wasn't in the military and that's maybe a little hint at what my number one that, is, <laughs> <laughs> that enter Sandman definitely would have been number two. But just the energy involved with that and the lights and just everything. It's it's electric, man. That is a cool entrance. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Aaron, I'm going to give it away because my number two is the March in. Oh, come on. Stole yeah. my thunder. Yeah, that was my number two. Uh, so obviously we know where my number one stands, but uh, yeah, my number two is the March. I, you know, I'm not in the military, and I just think that is just something very, very cool. Very, I don't know. There's just something just dignified, respectful. Just, just I don't know. It just kind of gives you chills. I think even if you're not in the military. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll go into a little more detail when I go on to talk about yeah. it here in a minute. But so was that your number three then, the March on or number two? That's my number two. OK, so my number two was the wave at That's Iowa. A good one. I think that that is just the coolest thing that they had the children's hospital built where they could see the game and it's free. It doesn't cost them a thing. That's that is giving back a little bit. And I, I understand that. You know, the kids are hospitalized and it's, you know, and maybe in some cases not the best of circumstances, but the University of Iowa doing that. And then on top of it, have the whole stadium, the away team or the visiting team and Iowa all turn and wave to these kids as an acknowledgement. I just I don't know. That one is just the coolest thing to me. And I can tell you that I appreciate that. At just lots of respect to Iowa for that. As much as I hate on Kirk Ferentz on the show, I actually have a ton of respect for him and the University of Iowa for that tradition alone. You know, you really got to show a little more love to Kirk Ferentz. Uh, I know. Let me I tell know. you, this guy, I'm pretty sure was on the sidelines as an assistant when Rutgers played the very first football game in college I, football history. Oh, I know he was. He was there. That's they, <laughs> There's pictures. I'm telling you. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of want to kick myself because I did not place Iowa up there. And, and the more I think about it, the more I just, uh, yeah, I totally blew that one. But number one for me, obviously, Inner Sandman. Uh, you know, I thought that was just, like you said, it is a legit entrance. It is absolutely one of the coolest things I have ever seen. Uh, and Aaron, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about your number one because it, 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 like I said, it is just something to, to witness. It really is. You know, like the the cadets and the Navy people, I'm not going to acknowledge them because we don't like those guys. The seamen, as we call them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> interpret that how you will. <laughs> That's fine by me. Uh, but, they, you know, they, they gather on the field and they march across. And it's, it's called the March On. And it's just a, a, a sign of, of respect and unity. And as they go their separate ways, they get into the stands. And believe it or not, I don't know if you ever noticed when you watch the game, but both sides stand for the duration of the game. They do not sit down whatsoever. I, did you ever notice that? Yeah, you know, I noticed they're always standing, but I never really thought about it and placed that, you know, connected that to the, you know, with that there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know that they're usually on their feet, but yeah. I didn't think a lot about it because if you go to a college football game, a lot of times everybody is on their feet, but not both sides. You know, usually it's uh, the home team or the team that's winning. But Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that that is definitely very cool. Yeah. So you think about it, you know, like we have the inter-service rivalries, you know, we call each other names or make fun of each other, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's all one team. And that's really what the March On is about. So at that to me, I, I just. That's that's what I like. That's that's my thing. So that's my yeah. number one. Very, very classy, very dignified. 
Okay, Aaron, we're going to change gears just a little bit, but we're going to stay on this topic. And we're going to move on from our top five non-Ohio State traditions to what we think five of the better Buckeye football traditions are. So what do you have at number five? Number five for me, for Ohio State-only traditions, Buckeye Grove, which is yeah. where all the All-Americans are honored forever. And that I, I think that is just the coolest thing as a student. Uh, or you don't even have to be a student. Anybody can walk down Buckeye Grove and just Absolutely. And, and pay tribute to all these classic players that we missed from yesteryear, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, you know, <laughs> Buckeye Grove, I actually had just a hair higher. Um, I went with the gold pants. That's a good one, too. Yeah. You know, the gold pants tradition is something that uh, it started, what, 1934, I believe, was when they started ha- hanging out the gold pants uh, when you would win against that team up north. And I think it's just fabulous. Uh, so for me, that was number five. How and about you know, uh, you know. Okay. But you know something you know something about that is it's amazing to me that Kirk Ferentz had been coaching for almost 50 years at the time that the gold pants <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had wow. to get one in. I had to get one in there, man. <laughs> All My, right. Number 4 uh for me, if you've ever been to the games, whether it's home or away, this is just I I put it in here at number 4 because it's just the coolest thing to me. No matter where you're at, and I haven't been to like a well, actually, I have been to one true away game at Indiana. Uh, Eric and I and and some people that we go to church with, um, we all traveled out together to Indiana for a game uh, to start the season. I think it was like 2017, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but no matter where you go, if you're sitting in a stadium where the Buckeyes are playing. The O-H-I-O chant goes around the stadium. It doesn't matter where you're at. And to me, that is one of the coolest things. Maybe that's like a uh, like a non-traditional tradition, if that makes sense. But to me, that's the coolest thing. That just tells you how well we travel and how important this football team is in Ohio. I'll tell you, I got a little story about that when we get up to number three. So, uh, But number four for me was the victory bell. Uh, you know, the, the ringing of the victory bell after every victory that I had that in a number four, number three for me, Eric was the OHIO chant or the OHIO, uh, you know, I guess response or whatever you call it. So I took my daughter this year to her first Ohio state game and we went to the, Oh, I can't remember what game it was. We went to, I can't remember it was Purdue. We went to, or Michigan state. It was one of those two games I took her to. And we were up there and we were in the stands and just, you know, of course, everybody's high five. The OHIO chant starts and she looks at me a little bit. We leave and, you know, in the hallway as you're going between the French field house and uh, uh, the shot there, you got that walkway and people were doing the OHIO chant down through the hallway or down through the walkway there. She looks over at me and she goes, you realize you are in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> well, she said, these people are not normal. <laughs> and I said, you're absolutely right. We are not normal. 
We're exceptional. We're not normal. We're not average. You know, Urban never wanted to coach average. <laughs> That's a fact. And it depends on how you define cult. But, yeah, I guess you could say that. I, I, I never really looked at it that way. But that's an interesting take. From, is, I, I take it your daughter's not like a, a diehard the way that we are. No, no. She, she will sit and watch a game with me from time to time. But I wanted to take her to her first game. Uh, you know, I went early in the season to a game and, and taken my nephew. And honestly, I was a bad dad. I had four tickets. I took my nephew, my ex-wife, and her <laughs> boyfriend uh you know because none of them had ever been to a game and i didn't think my daughter had that much of an interest boy i heard about it when i got back (laughs) so i made sure my next set of tickets she went with me uh so yeah but i mean it was it it is it could be cult-like but i'll tell you for me just a great fun tradition what was your number three aaron uh my number three is the skull session and I, I just for me, that was just such an exciting thing to do. Um, I went with a friend one year uh, when during Urban Meyer's uh, tenure. And I believe it. I can't. I thought I want to say that it was a. I think it might have been 2012. I don't remember what year it was, but it was one of the years I went with a buddy is a Michigan game. I'm pretty sure. And LeBron James came walking in and the whole stadium went nuts. And I, I understand like this is non-political just from an Ohio standpoint. LeBron yeah. James comes in there and it just it was nuts in there. And I feel like that 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 skull session is like the pep rally of all pep rallies because the coaches let their hair down. The players come in there, you know, they say a few cuss words here and there, and and that's not necessarily why, but they share their feelings. You know, I I think it might've been Brian Hartline this past season. Like his was a fiery speech. You know, we're going to go out there and kick their, you know what I mean? It, It was just, and it's like that almost every time. And it just fires me up as a former player and a, and a fan. It just, that gets me going. I love the skull session. Yeah. I also had the skull session at, I had it number two. Uh, I love it. I go every time, uh, you know, some people will go once just to see it, you know, see it and see what it's all about. But for me, I go every single time. It just gets me fired up before the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I always do the skull session. Well, I always think about it. You know, when you go, you if it gets you fired up in there, think about the, the, the locker room speech that the players hear. Oh, absolutely. You, my goodness, dude. Like that would just it's no wonder that we win so much, because when you go out on the field that fired up, you're going to wreck some people. You know what I mean? Like that stuff. I don't know. That just gets me going every single time. So let me tell you, I've got one. I'm going to give it an honorable mention if we if you don't bring it up. I'm not going to steal your thunder in case you do. But I've got one that's an honorable mention I'm going to bring up later. But what do you got next, Aaron? Uh, number two for me is The Walk, the best damn band in the land entrance. Yes. When they come out of the the ramp and then march across the field and they're playing and just that whole that whole thing, that just – that gives me goosebumps. I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps every single time I see it because I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I never cared like to play an instrument or be in the band or anything like that. But anybody who denies that the band is every bit as important as the football team, 
they're nuts because that band is especially at Ohio State that band is essential to the whole experience and the performance on the field I don't care what anybody says they get me fired up every time absolutely so here it comes we got number ones and there's still a few really good ones out there oh yeah there is but for me, I don't think there's any question when it comes down to football what the number one tradition is. And that's the script Ohio. Oh, yeah. Facts. I mean, that is the number one tradition, I think, in all of football. I don't care what level it's at. It is just so you mentioned how great the band is. I mean, let's not even talk about the music portion of it. Just the, the way they can synchronize their walk, pass through each other and not miss a beat. They just never never make a mistake on it and if they do they're so good we don't notice so yeah for me that is definitely the number one same here that's exactly what i had script ohio i feel like that one is undeniably the number one tradition just you know the dotting of the eye the everything you just said how they pass through each other and there there is just not a step out of place it is just it is magic and and, and i hate to say this you know but you 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 realize what the origins of Script Ohio is, right? I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't. I see. I deny it. But history is history. And for those listeners who don't know, Script Ohio was actually born out of that team up North's band, and we took it from them. They did it during a game, I believe, in Ann Arbor, and I don't remember the year, but I mean, it was a very long time ago. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it was pre World War II, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And, it was, and we just kind of we adopted it from there and made it much, much better, and it made it into basically the spectacle that you guys see today. But those are the origins of Script Ohio. It came from their band, unfortunately, but. It was their idea. We took it from them, as we have taken many things from them since then, and uh, we made it ours, and we made yeah. it that much better. So, And I've got two honorable mentions I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on, too, Aaron. One of them being the end of the game, the playing of Carmen, Ohio. Yeah, uh, you know, I, th- I thought about putting that on my list because yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people— yeah, a lot a lot of people head for the parking lot, you know, towards the end of the game, especially if it's a big blowout. But that's a pretty cool thing to see, too, is just the players, you know, swaying back and forth, uh, arms on shoulders, the camaraderie. It just that's that's the team right there. Hey, Carmen, Ohio, you're paying tribute to the university. It's just a cool thing to see. But you're right, Chris. I could not put it on my top five, but it, it's definitely worthy of the honorable mention. No question. OK. And how about this one? Doesn't happen anymore. Mirror Lake. Yeah, you know, that one deserves to happen every year. And well, I, I understand why. What was it uh, back in the mid 2010s? We, we had a death at Muir Lake, and that's why they finally, you know, I, yeah. I believe officially ended it. But how many that people have just died a doing really that? cool tradition. It was. But how many people have really died doing that? Yeah. I don't know the numbers. I just I know of the one, and then they were I like, okay, it's probably it not minuscule. And obviously, you know, any death is tragic, but I, I can't imagine that there is that many attached to it over the course of the life of the, the tradition itself. So. See, that's that's how I feel like if 
I, I feel like they should have kept the tradition, and it's not like it was new. It's not like it had happened for like a couple years. Someone died, and they shut it down. That had been going on for years and years. So, I mean, I don't know why – and I'm not saying that it's the university's responsibility to provide security and, and, and EMTs in case of something like that. But if you know that the students have been doing it and there is that risk, maybe step up a little bit and say, hey, okay, you guys can do this on this – you know, arrange – make it an organized thing. You know, provide some structure and the students will follow that because they love doing it that. So, I mean, they could have still been doing that. And you're right. Every, any death doing something like that is unfortunate. But I don't know. I, I, I guess there could have been a better outcome. Yeah. Yeah. 1969, by the way, is when they started the Mirror Lake jump. Yeah. See, yeah. 1969. And they waited about 40 years almost, a little 40 over plus. 40 years, yeah, yeah to, to do anything about it. So I, I don't know. I, I think that was kind of stupid, but whatever. It is what it is. So, yeah, that, that, that just a few really, really great traditions. Uh, and, and the reason we talk about their traditions today, Aaron, is Eric has a tremendous interview coming up with Anna Hurley, who dotted the I multiple times for the best damn band in the land. And I don't know if you've heard this interview, Aaron, yet or not, but just a really great interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited to hear it. I like to wait. I know Eric sent it to us, but I like to wait until the whole show is put together because I like how it flows. Uh, but I am excited to listen to this thing as soon as it gets released. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that being said, let's go ahead and pass it over to Eric for his, uh, his interview with Anna Hurley. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And I am joined by a very special guest, Miss Anna Hurley, who was a member of the Ohio State Marching Band. You and I both know as Tabittle or the best damn band in the land. And what a fitting person to have on our interview section of the podcast since we've been talking about traditions in college football. So welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. First question I got to ask, because I'm, I'm not a band guy. I, I love and appreciate Ohio State's marching band. I think it's awesome, but I'm not a band guy. So I apologize if any of these questions seem very elementary. But first no question, how in the world does one even get to be in the most <laughs> prestigious band in the land? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier today. So my I've been surrounded by Tibiddle my entire life. Um, so my dad was in the band in the 80s. Um, he played baritone horn. And um, so I grew up going to Skull Sessions, which if you don't know what Skull Session is, it's like a, a little pep rally concert that the band does before home games. It takes place in St. John Arena. We play through all of pregame and halftime. The team comes through. It's a whole big rigmarole. Um, 
so I grew up going to those and going to the uh, alumni games where the uh, alumni band comes and uh, we lovingly refer to them in the band family as the Big Red Blob because um, it's <laughs> in any given year it's like six to eight hundred uh, yeah. <laughs> red poloed alumni who um, march onto the field and we do a quad script Ohio and it's really yeah. really cool. Uh, so I grew up going to those so that's how I got into it and then actually my sister was in band as well um, from 07 to 09. So first thing you need to do to get into the Ohio State Marching Band is you need to play uh, either a brass instrument or percussion. So we have no woodwinds into Biddle. It's all um, trumpets, mellophones, um, trombone, baritone, and sousaphone, which is what I played, and then um, percussion instruments. So that's step one. (laughs) Uh, Step two would be actually trying out for the band. So every member of the band has to try out every single year. No one's guaranteed their spot back. Mm, Okay, I know that. yeah, so it's a pretty grueling tryout process. Um, most people spend the majority of the summer going to uh, these like voluntary practice sessions down at Ohio State called summer sessions. Um, and those you can um, work with current band members and learn uh, all of the marching fundamentals. You can learn all the school songs on your instrument. Um, and you can just kind of start to learn how the band works. Um, and then there's a two-day tryout process. Um, it's actually four days if you've never been in the band before. Um, and it is just two straight days of being outside and in the heat, usually because it's in August, or rain often as well, um, doing marching auditions, getting, uh, you know, like fifteen to 20,000 steps a day. Mm. Um, and so then once you make the band, um, which involves marching audition, a playing audition, and then some playing and marching stuff, uh, then you you get into the season, and it's just everybody hits the ground running at once. So um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that when you're in high school – and you're you're playing in the in the high school marching band like is this something that is almost kind of like how you're recruited maybe a little bit or is this completely straight up i'm i'm just going to do this and my dream is to one day march for ohio state and and then all these people you know come to the tryouts and i assume there's obviously cuts because i'm assuming yeah. there's a lot of people who try out like or is there is there any bit of like hey you're good enough you should do this type of thing Um, there are definitely like different, there's a lot of like Tibetal alumni who are band directors in central Ohio and in Ohio in general. So I know a lot of them kind of encourage some of their students. Um, I actually, my band director, my assistant band director in high school was actually in band with my dad. Um, so he's definitely like one of the reasons that I, uh, went into the band. Um, but then also, uh, the band director at Ohio state, Dr. Christopher Hoke, he was actually my band director in fifth and sixth grade. I went to Delaware Hayes, um, and he was my band director in fifth and sixth grade. He taught me how to play tuba. So that's kind of another cool way that I got into it. But I think, honestly, anymore, a lot of people decide they want to be in the band because they've seen one of the viral videos on YouTube. Yeah. You know, they've seen the T-Rex eating the Michigan player, and they've seen <laughs> the horse go across the field, and they've seen, you know, moonwalking yeah. uh, Michael Jackson and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's how a lot of people are kind of recruited nowadays. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a lot of 
so many people like if you know ohio state you know about the band right and i actually know there were several people in band with me who were from like you know florida and california and they were like yeah i just knew ohio state had a really good band so i figured it would be a good school um (laughs) so it really band kids kind of flock to things like that that are really like tradition based i think so i think that's how a lot of people kind of get into it so you you brought up the the crazy formations and and different mm-hmm. things that the band does. So let's go there because let if if you would please if you're allowed, can we kind of see behind the curtain on how this how do you do this? Because yeah. I'm sure you've heard about the crazy theories about how aliens are really directing the band and everything. <laughs> like not it, aliens, it, just iPads. Uh, right. Okay. So tell us how this how does this happen? Yeah. So. Uh, It's actually a lot easier for uh, current band members and like when I was in band than, you know, even when my sister was in band in 07 to 09, they still use paper charts. Um, Charts are what the the actual formations are called. That's where you get, you know, traditionally uh, a picture of a football field and there are dots on the field and they're labeled and you know which dot is you. uh, And so you follow that from place to place. Um, Right before I started at Ohio State, the band got iPads. So we all had an iPad and we had a software on that iPad that would show us where we were, where we needed to go, how many counts it took to get there. Um, And when you're actually on the field, um, we use obviously the yard lines as markers of where we are for side to side. Um, But we also use the hash marks. Um, So we know like I need to be four steps, uh, you know, south of the hash um and four steps east of the hash um so that's that's kind of how we orient ourselves on the field uh and then we just do a, a lot of practice the band rehearses two hours a day every single day of the week um and it's also it's not that we just do one show every year um it's a new halftime show every home game so there are sometimes where you get your music and your charts on monday and you have to have everything memorized and ready to perform on friday for yeah. a game on saturday yeah i was gonna um, ask you that because it seems like every home game it is a different show completely and yeah, I it is. i've never seen two shows repeated no the only time we repeat a show would be if you go to an away game you would usually do the show that you did the week before at home okay um but no so in my time i was at ohio state for five years uh in the marching band and i did seven shows every year um plus little things here and there. Um, Completely different. Most shows have four to five songs. So you're memorizing all of the music, um, all of the sets, um, in addition to, in most people's case, being a full-time student (laughs) and, you know, having jobs and trying to have a social life, which that's not super possible. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot. But, yeah, it's really, it seems a lot more intricate from above than it is on the field. Because on the field, we're seeing everything, like, in three dimensions, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just know, like, okay, I'm supposed to be behind this person and next to this person, so I'm going to make sure I'm in line with them. And you're using each other to mark where you're supposed to be. So it's a very collaborative effort, for sure. Yeah. So what was your favorite, when you were in school, what was your favorite uh, performance you did? And I got to ask, what's your favorite song to play? Oh, favorite song to play. So, um, my favorite performance would probably be the Queen show 
that we did oh, yes. in um let's see it was the 2018 season we also played it at the 2019 rose bowl uh-huh. um that show was so much fun that show was hard um we also did a back to the future show in 2015 uh, which was my first season um that show was also really hard very fast and um, we actually also did that one the bowl game that year um so i think those would be my two favorite as far as favorite songs to play um I think my favorite is probably, it's actually probably two songs that we only played in Skull Session and not on the field at all. Um, The first would be the Navy Hymn, which we um, both sang and then played at every Skull Mm -hmm. Session. Um, And I'm also a singer, so that was always really fun for me, and it always just got me like very emotional. Um, And then the second one would be Buckeye Fanfare, which is the song that we would play as the team was getting ready to walk into Skull Session. Yeah, Um, It's just very loud. Um, it's actually the song I was listening to some of your uh, shows earlier. It's the song you have at the beginning of your show. Um, <laughs> okay, is Buckeye Fanfare? So yeah, yeah, I would say that's probably my favorite. Um, as kind of a, a cheating answer of favorite performance, I could also say when I dotted the I. Um, <laughs> yeah, you jumped the gun on me. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of an easy answer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely a memorable one. So okay, so you said you started off with tuba, correct? Yep. How did you get to sousaphone? Because we all know that's the instrument that gets the dot the I. Yeah, so sousaphone is actually just the marching version of a tuba. Okay. Um, it's the same instrument. You play it the exact same way. Uh, it's just configured differently. Um, so instead of sitting on your lap, it sits on your shoulder and kind of wraps around you. Um, so it really wasn't too much of a transition uh, musically, it was definitely a transition athletically. Uh, I had to build up a lot of upper arm muscle that I did not have, um, even from playing sousaphone in high school. So, um, cause you just kind of fling that thing around. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got into sousaphone. All right. So, so did you kind of purposely do that thinking, yeah, you know, one day I might get to dot the eye here or was I this think, completely by accident? I think subconsciously I did. I didn't okay. say that I did. Um, but when I picked tuba in fifth grade, uh, the reason that I picked it is quite simply because no one else had picked it and I wanted to be different. Um, I'm the youngest of four, so I'm always like four girls. So I'm always trying to find ways to be different. And I was like, well, nobody else is playing the tuba. So I'm going to do that. Um, and I had like tried out the mouthpieces and stuff and it worked for me. So uh, I just kind of went for it. But then... You know, being that my dad was in the band and then um, actually the same year I started playing tuba, I believe, was the first year that my sister was in the band. So then I started thinking, like, well, now that I like kind of <laughs> know how to do this, this is something I could do. Um, and then it's definitely a lot of what played into my decision to go to Ohio State. Um, I was debating between a couple schools and I went to they have like a, a junior senior night um, for high school juniors and seniors to talk to some current band members and you get to like tour the stadium and the sousaphone player that was leading us around brought us down onto the field and pointed to the spot where you dot the eye. And I just turned to my dad and I was like, I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how, and when I decided I was going to Ohio state, but that's all. Awesome. I think it's definitely in the back of anybody who plays tuba's mind, especially if you're from Ohio. Right. Right. So before we talk about the day that was, <laughs> mm-hmm. that will live on in infamy for you, I'm sure, yes. uh, and, and, and us who live here in Delaware, um, walk us through a normal day. I saw an article about this 
a normal day, a game day, that is, yeah. about how, how crazy it actually is for band members as far as like when you have to get up and how long you're in your uniform. And it's I mean, my mind was blown when I when yeah. I. Yeah. So for uh, let's say it's a noon game uh, for all games, you report five and a half to six hours before kickoff. Uh, so for a noon game, you have to be in your seat ready to go, which means you're in full uniform. You have your game instrument all clean and shined. Um, you have all of your stuff for the day prepped uh, at 6 or 6.30. Um, so for me, because I like to give myself – I like to tell people that I like to give myself um, – enough time for the world to end twice and still make it to the stadium on time. Uh, because if you're late, then you don't march the next week. Um, you forfeit your spot and somebody else takes it. Um, and so I was like, I'm not going to let this be the reason that I don't march sometime. So, um, I would usually wake up at around four on a game day. Um, keeping in mind that we were in rehearsal until 6 PM the previous night. And then, Usually, uh, it's a tradition in my row that we would go out to dinner afterwards. And then after going out to dinner, we would come back to the stadium and clean our instruments um, until usually like 10 or 11. Um, so you're going into game day on four or five hours of sleep. Um, so up at about four, um, as a, a woman or a person with long hair, I had to put my hair into what we lovingly refer to as band hair, which is basically just putting as much gel in it as possible so it doesn't move. <laughs> um and then you get your uniform on, you get your instrument ready, you're in your seats for what we call downbeat, which is when we play um, just right at the start of rehearsal so that everyone knows that they're supposed to be in their seats. And then uh, after we do a full music rehearsal inside, you go outside and do a full marching rehearsal, run through the whole show um, and pregame. And then um, after that, you go back inside, you get uh, lunch at about 9 a.m., um, which is always a great time to eat a Subway sandwich uh, <laughs> nice. that I'm pretty sure was made the night before. Um, and then you go to Skull Session, which starts, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I never really checked my watch on game days, uh, but I think it's like 1030-ish. Um, and from that point, uh, you have to go to the bathroom before Skull Session or right after Skull Session because there's not really another chance to go until after you get down the ramp. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So from Skull Session, you march over to the shoe um, you wait in the shoe, you do ramp pregame, and then you go in the stands. Uh, obviously, then there's the full game with halftime. Yep. Um, we do postgame at most games, and then afterwards, uh, we march out of the stadium. You put everything away, and you are free to go. Uh, usually, for a noon game, I would get home between, like, 5 and 6. Um, 14 so that's already hour a 12-hour day. day. Yeah, yeah well, 14 wow. hours, including when I got up. Um and then you take a nap. Yeah, uh, and then usually we'd go kidding. like hang out afterwards after we'd all had some time to sleep. But uh, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a long day. But then oftentimes we had nothing on Sundays. So you would use Sunday to slowly get up and do your homework and yeah. catch up on sleep. All right. So a couple, a couple last questions. Let's yeah. describe to me what it's like. I've seen videos, but what is it like coming down that ramp? And um, that is that is the tradition, man. I mean, when this is script, Ohio, when the band comes onto the field, you go to other college games and it's it's. It, I mean, the band's kind of like, yay, the band. But when when Ohio State's band, when Tobito comes down the ramp, you've got it, by that time, at least 70 to 80,000 
people already in the stands. Yeah. And a lot of them were there to see you guys. Right. That's That's what's really crazy um, is that you realize that like so many people uh, when they find out that I was in the band tell me like, oh, I only go to the games because of the band. Um, which is wild because that's just like not a thing that happens <laughs> anywhere no. else, um, which is really special. Going down the ramp um, is equal parts exhilarating and terrifying. Um, the ramp is actually at a steeper angle than is legally allowed now to build really? a ramp. <laughs> yeah, it's at a steeper grade than ramps are allowed to be, but it was grandfathered in when they redid the stadium because it had been there since the 1920s. Yeah. Um, and so it is very steep. Uh, I don't know the exact thing, but I think it's somewhere around like a 30 degree incline. Um, so you're pretty much just running. Um, we're also moving at technically 180 beats per minute, which means three beats a second. Um, but usually we're moving faster than that. So more like 200 beats a minute. <laughs> um, so you're really just kind of sprinting. Um, and ramp is a very regimented um like process. So if you miss something or you miss a turn, you're going to mess up everybody behind you. Um, so it's just pure like adrenaline and focus and energy and just like excitement because it's pretty much always somebody's first time doing a ramp. So there's always just this really palpable excitement. Um, it's a, it's a blast. It was one of my favorite parts of game day for sure. This, this question just popped in my head. When you guys are marching, there's something I, – I, and I, I've never gotten close enough to look. There's something on your uniforms you guys are tapping when mm-hmm. you're marching. What is that? So that's actually um, on the cross belts, the white like X that we wear mm-hmm. across. Um, there is a little piece of – well, we just call it center brass. Uh, it really just holds the cross belts in place. Um, and unless you play sousaphone or drums because we don't have – there wasn't space for us to do it. Right. Um, they just put their hands over the center brass. Um, I'll be honest. I don't think anyone knows why we do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if it just, was like the way to keep beat or if it was just like no, a the way we keep beat kind. during uh, ramp is that we just yell counts uh, the whole time. Gotcha. Uh, turns out when you're pretty far away from a hundred thousand people and they're all screaming, they can't really hear you if you're yelling. <laughs> so that's true. I've that's never heard you guys yell. <laughs> um, to make sure we all get our our stops at the right time and stuff. All right, let's talk about Dot in the Eye. Yeah. So, how how did it happen? Like, it, uh, I mean, is this like, a, do you have to try out for this thing? Is it an honor that you're awarded this uh, opportunity? And and if that's the case, how did it happen for you? What was it like for you? Yeah. So it's not uh, like a specialized thing for specific people. It's just uh, the only qualifications to dotting the eye are that you have to be a fourth or a fifth year member of the sousaphone section, which is called Kelro, K-Ro and L-Ro. Um, all the rows in the band have alpha or have letters as their name. Um, so uh, you have five years total eligibility in the marching band. So it's only if you've been in band for your fourth or fifth year. Um, and then there's a whole ranking system to decide like who gets to dot which game. And that is based on how many times you've actually marched at a home game well, and away games. So <laughs> to explain this, I have to explain other things about the band. Uh, the band works on an alternate system. So there are 14 people in every row. And on any given game day, 12 of them are marching. And the other two are alternates. And then the following week, the two who are alternates try to win a spot for mm-hmm. the next week. Um, 
So based on how many times you were what we call a regular versus an alternate, that changes your ranking system. So I went into my fourth year uh, in a three-way tie for first. Um, and so the way that we picked who got to pick first, second, and third is that the three of us um, did essentially dotted the I, but just for our row. Uh, and then the other Sousaphone members voted on who would be first, second, and third. So I ended up with a third pick um, of the, the top three. And then there were other people um, who were like further down than us in our class. And then... We just went through one by one and picked what games we wanted. So my first year at home, I dotted Minnesota, and then I dotted away at Michigan State in 2018. And then I actually also dotted twice my fifth year. Um, once at a home game, it was a double script. So one on the east and the west side, and then as well um, at an away game my last year. Wow. I didn't know that you got to dot it more than once. Yeah, so That's most crazy. people actually get to... Uh, it, it really, a lot of it depends on how many sousaphone players are eligible in any given year. That changes uh -huh. how many times you get it. Like, there was one year I was in band where there were only four I-daughters, so all of them dotted, like, a hundred times. Um, <laughs> but uh, my year, there were eight of us, I think, um, eight or nine. And so then we went through and all picked and, and figured out who got to dot at different things. Um, so it's actually pretty normal that people dot uh, one home game and one away game or something similar. Okay. Um, and I'll be honest, this is a slightly different system now because they did have to change some things because of COVID because there were obviously fewer people got to dot. Nobody got to dot really in 2020. So right, right. I don't really know what the system is now, but that's generally the way that it works. Wow. And so obviously when you learned this, that this was going to be your game, the family knows everybody's there and everything. But what is it like? I mean, it's got to be crazy to hear the roar of the crowd that they're cheering for you literally yeah. being the dot on the vow <laughs> for the script that you guys we do. I mean, I just got to think that's got to be the epitome of a band member. I would think that it's, this, this it's the really wild because. You, you know, you do it at morning rehearsal and your family's standing there on the hill at the practice field watching you. And then you go to skull session and you do it again. And St. John Arena is a very loud place. Yes, it um, is. It's very echoey. So when you dot, it's a very loud in there. Um, and then in the stadium, obviously, like you said, at this point, I've, you've been awake for, you know, <laughs> eight hours, <laughs> basically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, six to eight hours. And so you go down the ramp, you have to do the entire rest of like beginning of pregame, which is ramp, which is very tiring. Uh, and then a few more things. And you're just trying to like pump yourself up. Uh, and then you go into the script block, which is the big block that unravels right. into script mm -hmm. Ohio. Yep. Um, and the way that it works, uh, like the way that it's charted, there's a spot in it where you go past every single other sousaphone player and so it's a tradition in Kelro that you high five the I daughter as they go past and like hype them up. So then you're just like so full of energy and it's it's really it's very emotional, but it's also very fast. Uh, once you get from the top of the O to the top of the I, uh, it's about 15 seconds wow. and then you play through the solo and that's it. Yep. And it's something that. Like, I remember legitimately thinking at the top of the eye, I took my hat off, I did my bow, and I thought, okay, well, I did that. And it's not that I wasn't excited about it, because I was 
I think I was crying. Um, but it was just like you work for something for four years and it's over in 15 seconds. Yeah. Which it doesn't take away from the experience, but it's really just it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't who hasn't also done that or done something right. like that. Um, now, I will say it is also really fun to dot in an away stadium where instead of being cheered, you're being booed. <laughs> because I dotted at Michigan State in 2018. It was freezing. I yeah. thought I was going to wipe out on my way to the eye. Um, and getting booed is incredibly fun. Uh, so that also <laughs> gives you a lot of energy. It's just very different. <laughs> well, I imagine that you have something that – well, obviously, a lot of people don't have, but you can like literally go into like any bar and be like, hey, I dotted the I and probably get whatever drink you want yeah. <laughs> or go like you put it on your resume. And it's like, oh, this person's definitely getting to oh, a second dotting interview. The I is absolutely <laughs> on my resume. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have a line item on there that says four time I daughter uh, and five year member of Tabiddle, because really it's something to be very proud of, not just because like dotting the I is a cool thing if you're in Ohio uh, or you're a fan of the Buckeyes, but also because of how much hard work it takes to get into the band. Uh, I'd never worked harder for anything in my life. Uh, and I put everything into making that band and then staying in that band and being the best that I could be in that band. And so being able to round out my five years there with, you know, four I dots to my name. And, you know, I got to March five alumni games where my dad and my sister were on the field with me. Oh, that's so um, cool. So it's really, those are the things that, I look back on and think like, yeah, it's not only cool because I have like the ability to say like, yeah, I dotted the I and I'm only the 27th woman to be able to say that. But also look at this amazing experience and the amazing people I've met and this great organization that I get to represent, you know, here two years out of being in band uh, talking about it still. So it's, it's really the coolest thing. So one final question for you, Anna, and this is uh, this is a question that we ask everybody who we interview. Okay. And it's probably the most difficult question you're going to get, but I have discovered that it's different for everybody. What does it mean to you, Anna Hurley, to be a Buckeye? I think it means finding family and familiarity anywhere. When I was studying abroad in college, I was in the airport in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I saw a guy in an Ohio State sweatshirt. And so I just went up to him and said, OH, and he said, IO, and that was all that we said to each other. But that, I think, is what it means to be a Buckeye. Beautiful. All right. So this is the end of the show, Anna, and I'm sure you being the Buckeye that you are will know what to do when it's time to do it. So here we go. Uh, As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I owe. Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will roll 
time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship oh